Black Clock Audio Tales is a daily podcast about gothic literature. Join us as we listen to spooky stories and stories that I, I, I don't... Ow. This hurts my voice. Hey, everyone. This is D.B. Spitzer. This is recorded at the KZOM Studios in Oleander, Oregon. This We're going to be going with uh, Matthew Lewis's The Monk. I'm not sure if we have anyone talking about this this month, but... This is gothic literature. This is one of those old school goth lit stories that, you know, this is gothic literature. So check it out. The Monk, uh, read by J.R. White. I can't remember who it is. I just edited this and heard it a billion times. But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Black Clock Audio Tales, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, Radio Free Oleander, PGTTCM.com. Rate, review, subscribe, check out the podcast, and look for us online. Recording by James K. White The Monk, A Romance by Matthew Gregory Lewis Chapter 11, Part 1 Great heaven, how frail thy creature man is made! How by himself insensibly betrayed! In our own strength, unhappily secure, too little cautious of the adverse power, On pleasure's flowery brink we idly stray, Masters as yet of our returning way. Till the strong gusts of raging passion rise, Till the dire tempest mingles earth and skies, And swift into the boundless ocean borne, Our foolish confidence too late we mourn. Round our devoted heads the billows beat, and from our troubled view the lessening lands retreat. Prior All this while, Ambrosio was unconscious of the dreadful scenes which were passing so near. The execution of his designs upon Antonia employed his every thought. Hitherto he was satisfied with the success of his plans. Antonia had drank the opiate, was buried in the vaults of St. Clair and absolutely in his disposal. Matilda, who was well acquainted with the nature and effects of the soporific medicine, had computed that it would not cease to operate till one in the morning. For that hour he waited with impatience. The festival of St. Clair presented him with a favorable opportunity of consummating his crime. He was certain that the friars and nuns would be engaged in the procession and that he had no cause to dread and interruption. From appearing himself at the head of the monks, he had desired to be excused. He doubted not that, being beyond the reach of help, cut off from all the world and totally in his power, Antonia would comply with his desires. The affection which she had ever expressed for him warranted this persuasion, but he resolved that, should she prove obstinate, no consideration whatever should prevent him from enjoying her. Secure from a discovery, he shuddered not at the idea of employing force, or if he felt any repugnance it arose not from a principle of shame or compassion, but from his feeling for Antonia the most sincere and ardent affection, and wishing to owe her favors to no one but herself. The monks quitted the abbey at midnight. Matilda was among the choristers and led the chant. Ambrosio was left by himself and at liberty to pursue his own inclinations. Convinced that no one remained behind to watch his motions or disturb his pleasures, he now hastened to the western isles. 
his heart beating with hope not unmingled with anxiety, he crossed the garden, unlocked the door which admitted him into the cemetery, and, in a few minutes, he stood before the vaults. Here he paused. He looked round him with suspicion, conscious that his business was unfit for any other eye. As he stood in hesitation, he heard the melancholy shriek of the screech-owl. The wind rattled loudly against the windows of the adjacent convent, and, as the current swept by him, bore with it the faint notes of the chant of choristers. He opened the door cautiously, as if fearing to be overheard. He entered, and closed it again after him. Guided by his lamp, he threaded the long passages in whose windings Matilda had instructed him, and reached the private vault which contained his sleeping mistress. Its entrance was by no means easy to discover, but this was no obstacle to Ambrosio who, at the time of Antonia's funeral, had observed it too carefully to be deceived. He found the door, which was unfastened, pushed it open, and descended into the dungeon. He approached the humble tomb in which Antonia reposed. He had provided himself with an iron crow and a pickaxe, but this precaution was unnecessary. The grate was slightly fastened on the outside. He raised it, and, placing the lamp upon its ridge, bent silently over the tomb. By the side of three putrid half-corrupted bodies lay the sleeping beauty. A lively, red, and forerunner of returning animation had already spread itself over her cheeks, and, as wrapped in her shroud, she reclined upon her funeral bier. She seemed to smile at the images of death around her. While he gazed upon their rotting bones and disgusting figures, who perhaps were once as sweet and lovely, Ambrosio thought upon Elvira, by him reduced to the same state. As the memory of that horrid act glanced upon his mind, it was clouded with a gloomy horror, yet it served but to strengthen his resolution to destroy Antonia's honor. "'For your sake, fatal beauty,' murmured the monk, while gazing on his devoted prey, "'for your sake have I committed this murder and sold myself to eternal tortures.' now you are in my power the produce of my guilt will at least be mine hope not that your prayers breathed in tones of unequalled melody your bright eyes filled with tears and your hands lifted in supplication as when seeking in penitence the virgin's pardon hope not that your moving innocence your beauteous grief or all your suppliant arts shall ransom you from my embraces before the break of day mine you must and mine you shall be he lifted her still motionless from the tomb he seated himself upon a bank of stone and supporting her in his arms watched impatiently for the symptoms of returning animation scarcely could he command his passion sufficiently to restrain himself from enjoying her while yet insensible his natural lust was increased in ardour by the difficulties which had opposed his satisfying it as also by his long abstinence from woman since from the moment of resigning her claim to his love matilda had exiled him from her arms for ever i am no prostitute ambrosio had she told him when in the fullness of his lust he demanded her favours with more than usual earnestness i am now no more than your friend and will not be your mistress cease then to solicit my complying with desires which insult me while your heart was mine, I gloried in your embraces. 
those happy times are past my person is become indifferent to you and tis necessity not love which makes you seek my enjoyment i cannot yield to a request so humiliating to my pride suddenly deprived of pleasures the use of which had made them an absolute want the monk felt this restraint severely naturally addicted to the gratification of the senses and the full vigor of manhood and heat of blood he had suffered his temperament to acquire such ascendancy that his lust was become madness of his fondness for antonia none but the grosser particles remained he longed for the possession of her person and even the gloom of the vault the surrounding silence and the resistance which he expected from her seemed to give a fresh edge to his fierce and unbridled desires gradually he felt the bosom which rested against his glow with returning warmth her heart throbbed again her blood flowed swifter and her lips moved at length she opened her eyes but still oppressed and bewildered by the effects of the strong opiate she closed them again immediately ambrosio watched her narrowly nor permitted a movement to escape him perceiving that she was fully restored to existence he caught her in rapture to his bosom and closely pressed his lips to hers the suddenness of his action sufficed to dissipate the fumes which obscured antonia's reason she hastily raised herself and cast a wild look round her the strange images which presented themselves on every side contributed to confuse her she put her hand to her head as if to settle her disordered imagination at length she took it away and threw her eyes through the dungeon a second time they fixed on the abbot's face where am i she said abruptly how came i here where is my mother methought i saw her oh a dream a dreadful dream told me but where am i let me go i cannot stay here she attempted to rise but the monk prevented her be calm lovely antonia he replied no danger is near you confide in my protection why do you gaze on me so earnestly do you not know me not know your friend ambrosio ambrosio my friend oh yes yes i remember but why am i here who has brought me why are you with me oh flora bade me beware here are nothing but graves and tombs and skeletons this place frightens me good ambrosio take me away from it for it recalls my fearful dream methought i was dead and laid in my grave good ambrosio take me from hence will you not oh will you not do not look on me thus your flaming eyes terrify me spare me father oh spare me for god's sake why these terrors antonia rejoined the abbot folding her in his arms and covered her bosom with kisses which she in vain struggled to avoid what fear you from me from one who adores you what matters it where you are this sepulchre seems to me love's bower this gloom is the friendly night of mystery which he spreads over our delights such do i think it and such must my antonia yes my sweet girl yes your veins shall glow with the fire which circles in mine and my transports shall be doubled by your sharing them while he spoke thus he repeated his embraces and permitted himself the most indecent liberties 
even antonia's ignorance was not proof against the freedom of his behavior she was sensible of her danger forced herself from his arms and her shroud being her only garment she wrapped it closely round her unhand me father she cried her honest indignation tempered by alarm at her unprotected position why have you brought me to this place its appearance freezes me with horror convey me from hence if you have the least sense of pity and humanity let me return to the house which i have quitted i know not how but stay here one moment longer i neither will nor ought though the monk was somewhat startled by the resolute tone in which this speech was delivered it produced upon him no other effect than surprise he caught her hand forced her upon his knee and gazing upon her with gloating eyes he thus replied to her compose yourself antonia resistance is unavailing and i need disavow my passion for you no longer you are imagined dead society is forever lost to you i possess you here alone you are absolutely in my power and i burn with desires which i must either gratify or die but i would owe my happiness to yourself my lovely girl my adorable antonia let me instruct you in joys to which you are still a stranger and teach you to feel those pleasures in my arms which i must soon enjoy in yours nay this struggling is childish he continued seeing her repel his caresses and endeavor to escape from his grasp no aid is near neither heaven nor earth shall save you from my embraces yet why reject pleasures so sweet so rapturous no one observes us our commerce will be a secret to all the world love and opportunity invite your giving loose to your passions yield to them my antonia yield to them my lovely girl throw your arms thus fondly round me join your lips thus closely to mine amidst all her gifts has nature denied her most precious the sensibility of pleasure oh impossible every feature look and motion declares you formed to bless and to be blessed yourself turn not on me those supplicating eyes consult your own charms they will tell you that i am proof against entreaty can i relinquish these limbs so white so soft so delicate these swelling breasts round full and elastic these lips fraught with such inexhaustible sweetness can i relinquish these treasures and leave them to another's enjoyment no antonia never never i swear it by this kiss and this and this with every moment the friar's passion became more ardent and antonia's terror more intense she struggled to disengage herself from his arms her exertions were unsuccessful and finding that ambrosio's conduct became still freer she shrieked for assistance with all her strength the aspect of the vault the pale glimmering of the lamp the surrounding obscurity the sight of the tomb and the objects of mortality which met her eyes on either side were ill calculated to inspire her with those emotions by which the friar was agitated even his caresses terrified her from their fury and created no other sentiment than fear on the contrary her alarm her evident disgust and incessant opposition seemed only to inflame the monk's desires and supply his brutality with additional strength antonia's shrieks were unheard yet she continued them 
nor abandoned her endeavors to escape till exhausted and out of breath she sank from his arms upon her knees and once more had recourse to prayers and supplications this attempt had no better success than the former on the contrary taking advantage of her situation the ravisher threw himself by her side he clasped her to his bosom almost lifeless with terror and faint with struggling he stifled her cries with kisses treated her with the rudeness of an unprincipled barbarian proceeded from freedom to freedom and in the violence of his lustful delirium wounded and bruised her tender limbs heedless of her tears cries and entreaties he gradually made himself master of her person and desisted not from his prey till he had accomplished his crime and the dishonour of antonia scarcely had he succeeded in his design than he shuddered at himself and the means by which it was effected the very excess of his former eagerness to possess antonia now contributed to inspire him with disgust and a secret impulse made him feel how base and unmanly was the crime which he had just committed he started hastily from her arms she who so lately had been the object of his adoration now raised no other sentiment in his heart than aversion and rage he turned away from her or if his eyes rested upon her figure involuntarily it was only to dart upon her looks of hate the unfortunate had fainted ere the completion of her disgrace she only recovered life to be sensible of her misfortune she remained stretched upon the earth in silent despair the tears chased each other slowly down her cheeks and her bosom heaved with frequent sobs oppressed with grief she continued for some time in this state of torpidity at length she rose with difficulty and dragging her feeble steps towards the door prepared to quit the dungeon the sound of her footsteps roused the monk from his sullen apathy starting from the tomb against which he reclined while his eyes wandered over the images of corruption contained in it he pursued the victim of his brutality and soon overtook her he seized her by the arm and violently forced her back into the dungeon whither go ye he cried in a stern voice return this instant antonia trembled at the fury of his countenance what would you more she said with timidity is not my ruin completed am i not undone undone forever is not your cruelty contented or have i yet more to suffer let me depart let me return to my home and weep unrestrained my shame and my affliction return to your home repeated the monk with bitter and contemptuous mockery then suddenly his eyes flashing with passion what that you may denounce me to the world that you may proclaim me a hypocrite a ravisher a betrayer a monster of cruelty lust and ingratitude no 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 i know well the whole weight of my offences well that your complaints would be too just and my crimes too notorious you shall not from hence to tell madrid that i am a villain that my conscience is loaded with sins which make me despair of heaven's pardon wretched girl you must stay here with me here amidst these lonely tombs these images of death these rotting loathsome corrupted bodies here shall you stay and witness my sufferings witness what it is to feel the horrors of despondency and breathe the last groan in blasphemy and curses 
and whom am I to thank for this? What seduced me into crimes whose bare remembrance makes me shudder? Fatal witch! Was it not thy beauty? Have you not plunged my soul in shame? Have you not made me a perjured hypocrite, a ravisher, an assassin? Nay, at this moment does not that angel look bid me despair of God's forgiveness? Oh, when I stand before his judgment throne, that look will suffice to damn me. You will tell my judge that you were happy till I saw you, that you were innocent till I polluted you. You will come with those tearful eyes, those cheeks pale and ghastly, those hands lifted in supplication as when you sought from me that mercy which I gave not. Then will my perdition be certain. Then will come your mother's ghost, and will hurl me down into the dwellings of fiends and flames and furies and everlasting torments. And tis you who will accuse me. Tis you who will cause my eternal anguish, you wretched girl, you, you. As he thundered out these words, he violently grasped Antonia's arm and spurned the earth with delirious fury. Supposing his brain to be turned, Antonia sank in terror upon her knees. She lifted up her hands, and her voice almost died away ere she could give it utterance. Spare me, spare me, she murmured with difficulty. Silence! cried the friar madly, and dashed her upon the ground. He quitted her, and paced the dungeon with a wild and disordered air. His eyes rolled fearfully. Antonia trembled whenever she met their gaze. He seemed to meditate on something horrible, and she gave up all hopes of escaping from the sepulchre with life. Yet in harboring this idea she did him injustice. Amidst the horror and disgust to which his soul was a prey, pity for his victim still held a place in it. The storm of passion once over, he would have given worlds, had he possessed them, to have restored to her that innocence of which his unbridled lust had deprived her. Of the desires which had urged him to the crime, no trace was left in his bosom. The wealth of India would not have tempted him to a second enjoyment of her person. His nature seemed to revolt at the very idea, and fain would he have wiped from his memory the scene which had just passed. As his gloomy rage abated in proportion, did his compassion augment for Antonia. He stopped, and would have spoken to her words of comfort, but he knew not from whence to draw them, and remained gazing upon her with mournful wildness. Her situation seemed so hopeless, so woe-begone, as to baffle mortal power to relieve her. What could he do for her? Her peace of mind was lost, her honor irreparably ruined. She was cut off forever from society, nor dared he give her back to it. He was conscious that, were she to appear in the world again, his guilt would be revealed, and his punishment inevitable. To one so laden with crimes, death came armed with double terrors. Yet, should he restore Antonia to light and stand the chance of her betraying him, how miserable a prospect would present itself before her. She could never hope to be creditably established. She would be marked with infamy, and condemned to sorrow and solitude for the remainder of her existence. What was the alternative? a resolution far more terrible for Antonia, but which at least would ensure the abbot's safety. 
he determined to leave the world persuaded of her death and to retain her a captive in this gloomy prison there he proposed to visit her every night to bring her food to profess his penitence and mingle his tears with hers the monk felt that this resolution was unjust and cruel but it was his only means to prevent antonia from publishing his guilt and her own infamy should he release her he could not depend upon her silence his offence was too flagrant to permit his hoping for her forgiveness besides her reappearing would excite universal curiosity and the violence of her affliction would prevent her from concealing its cause he determined therefore that antonia should remain a prisoner in the dungeon he approached her with confusion painted on his countenance he raised her from the ground her hand trembled as he took it and he dropped it again as if he had touched a serpent nature seemed to recoil at the touch he felt himself at once repulsed from and attracted towards her yet could account for neither sentiment there was something in her look which penetrated him with horror and though his understanding was still ignorant of it conscience pointed out to him the whole extent of his crime in hurried accents yet the gentlest he could find while his eye was averted and his voice scarcely audible he strove to console her under a misfortune which now could not be avoided he declared himself sincerely penitent and that he would gladly shed a drop of his blood for every tear which his barbarity had forced from her wretched and hopeless antonia listened to him in silent grief but when he announced her confinement in the sepulchre that dreadful doom to which even death seemed preferable roused her from her insensibility at once to linger out a life of misery in a narrow loathsome cell known to exist by no human being save her ravisher surrounded by mouldering corpses breathing the pestilential air of corruption never more to behold the light or drink the pure gale of heaven the idea was more terrible than she could support it conquered even her abhorrence of the friar again she sank upon her knees she besought his compassion in terms the most pathetic and urgent she promised would he but restore her to liberty to conceal her injuries from the world to assign any reasons for her reappearance which he might judge proper and in order to prevent the least suspicion from falling upon him she offered to quit madrid immediately her entreaties were so urgent as to make a considerable impression upon the monk he reflected that as her person no longer excited his desires he had no interest in keeping her concealed as he had at first intended that he was adding a fresh injury to those which she had already suffered and that if she adhered to her promises whether she was confined or at liberty his life and reputation were equally secure on the other hand he trembled lest in her affliction antonia should unintentionally break her engagement or that her excessive simplicity and ignorance of deceit should permit someone more artful to surprise her secret however well founded were these apprehensions compassion and a sincere wish to repair his fault as much as possible solicited his complying with the prayers of his suppliant the difficulty of colouring antonia's unexpected return to life after her supposed death and public interment was the only point which kept him irresolute 
he was still pondering on the means of removing this obstacle when he heard the sound of feet approaching with precipitation the door of the vault was thrown open and matilda rushed in evidently much confused and terrified on seeing a stranger enter antonia uttered a cry of joy but her hopes of receiving succor from him were soon dissipated the supposed novice without expressing the least surprise at finding a woman alone with the monk in so strange a place and at so late an hour addressed him thus without losing a moment what is to be done ambrosio we are lost unless some speedy means is found of dispelling the rioters ambrosio the convent of st clair is on fire the prioress has fallen a victim to the fury of the mob already is the abbey menaced with a similar fate alarmed at the threats of the people the monks seek for you everywhere they imagine that your authority alone will suffice to calm this disturbance no one knows what has become of you and your absence creates universal astonishment and despair i profited by the confusion and fled hither to warn you of the danger this will soon be remedied answered the abbot i will hasten back to my cell a trivial reason will account for my having been missed impossible rejoined matilda the sepulchre is filled with archers lorenzo de medina with several officers of the inquisition searches through the vaults and pervades every passage you will be intercepted in your flight your reasons for being at this late hour in the sepulchre will be examined antonia will be found and then you are undone for ever lorenzo de medina officers of the inquisition what brings them here seek they for me am i then suspected oh speak matilda answer me in pity as yet they do not think of you but i fear that they will ere long your only chance of escaping their notice rests upon the difficulty of exploring this vault the door is artfully hidden haply it may not be observed and we may remain concealed till the search is over but antonia should the inquisitors draw near and her cries be heard thus i remove that danger interrupted matilda at the same time drawing a poniard she rushed upon her devoted prey hold hold cried ambrosio seizing her hand and wresting from it the already lifted weapon what would you do cruel woman the unfortunate has already suffered but too much thanks to your pernicious counsels would to god that i had never followed them would to god that i had never seen your face matilda darted upon him a look of scorn absurd she exclaimed with an air of passion and majesty which impressed the monk with awe after robbing her of all that made it dear can you fear to deprive her of a life so miserable but tis well let her live to convince you of your folly i abandon you to your evil destiny i disclaim your alliance who trembles to commit so insignificant a crime deserves not my protection hark hark ambrosio hear you not the archers they come and your destruction is inevitable at this moment the abbot heard the sound of distant voices he flew to close the door on whose concealment his safety depended and which matilda had neglected to fasten ere he could reach it he saw antonia glide suddenly by him rush through the door and fly towards the noise with the swiftness of an arrow she had listened attentively to matilda she heard lorenzo's name mentioned 
and resolved to risk everything to throw herself under his protection. The door was open. The sounds convinced her that the archers could be at no great distance. She mustered up her little remaining strength, rushed by the monk ere he perceived her design, and bent her course rapidly towards the voices. As soon as he recovered from his first surprise, the abbot failed not to pursue her. In vain did Antonia redouble her speed and stretch every nerve to the utmost. Her enemy gained upon her every moment. She heard his steps close after her, and felt the heat of his breath glow upon her neck. He overtook her. He twisted his hands in the ringlets of her streaming hair, and attempted to drag her back with him to the dungeon. Antonia resisted with all her strength. She folded her arms round a pillar which supported the roof, and shrieked loudly for assistance. In vain did the monk strive to threaten her to silence. "'Help!' she continued to exclaim. "'Help! Help! For God's sake!' Quickened by her cries, the sound of footsteps was heard approaching. The abbot expected every moment to see the inquisitors arrive. Antonia still resisted, and he now enforced her silence by means the most horrible and inhuman. He still grasped Matilda's dagger. Without allowing himself a moment's reflection, he raised it and plunged it twice in the bosom of Antonia. She shrieked and sank upon the ground. The monk endeavored to bear her away with him, but she still embraced the pillar firmly. At that instant, the light of approaching torches flashed upon the walls. Dreading a discovery, Ambrosio was compelled to abandon his victim, and hastily fled back to the vault where he had left Matilda. He fled not unobserved. Don Ramirez, happening to arrive the first, perceived a female bleeding upon the ground, and a man flying from the spot whose confusion betrayed him for the murderer. He instantly pursued the fugitive with some part of the archers, while the others remained with Lorenzo to protect the wounded stranger. They raised her and supported her in their arms. She had fainted from excess of pain, but soon gave signs of returning life. She opened her eyes, and on lifting up her head, the quantity of fair hair fell back which till then had obscured her features. God Almighty, it is Antonia! Such was Lorenzo's exclamation while he snatched her from the attendant's arms and clasped her in his own. Though aimed by an uncertain hand, the poniard had answered but too well the purpose of its employer. The wounds were mortal, and Antonia was conscious that she never could recover. Yet the few moments which remained for her were moments of happiness. The concern expressed upon Lorenzo's countenance, the frantic fondness of his complaints and his earnest inquiries respecting her wounds, convinced her beyond a doubt that his affections were her own. She would not be removed from the vaults, fearing lest motion should only hasten her death, and she was unwilling to lose those moments which she passed in receiving proofs of Lorenzo's love and assuring him of her own. She told him that, had she still been undefiled, she might have lamented the loss of life, but that, deprived of honor and branded with shame, death was to her a blessing. She could not have been his wife, and that hope being denied her, she resigned herself to the grave without one sigh of regret. She bade him take courage, conjured him not to abandon himself to fruitless sorrow, and declared that she mourned to leave nothing in the whole world but him. 
while every sweet accent increased rather than lightened lorenzo's grief she continued to converse with him till the moment of dissolution her voice grew faint and scarcely audible a thick cloud spread itself over her eyes her heart beat slow and irregular and every instant seemed to announce that her fate was near at hand she lay her head reclining upon lorenzo's bosom and her lips still murmuring to him words of comfort she was interrupted by the convent bell as tolling at a distance it struck the hour suddenly antonia's eyes sparkled with celestial brightness her frame seemed to have received new strength and animation she started from her lover's arms three o'clock she cried mother i come she clasped her hands and sank lifeless upon the ground lorenzo in agony threw himself beside her he tore his hair beat his breast and refused to be separated from the corpse at length his force being exhausted he suffered himself to be led from the vault and was conveyed to the palace de medina scarcely more alive than the unfortunate antonia in the meanwhile though closely pursued ambrosio succeeded in regaining the vault the door was already fastened when don ramirez arrived and much time elapsed ere the fugitive's retreat was discovered but nothing can resist perseverance though so artfully concealed the door could not escape the vigilance of the archers they forced it open and entered the vault to the infinite dismay of ambrosio and his companion the monk's confusion his attempt to hide himself his rapid flight and the blood sprinkled upon his clothes left no room to doubt his being antonia's murderer but when he was recognized for the immaculate ambrosio the man of holiness the idol of madrid the faculties of the spectators were chained up in surprise and scarcely could they persuade themselves that what they saw was no vision the abbot strove not to vindicate himself but preserved a sullen silence he was secured and bound the same precaution was taken with matilda her cowl being removed the delicacy of her features and profusion of her golden hair betrayed her sex and this incident created fresh amazement the dagger was also found in the tomb where the monk had thrown it, and the dungeon having undergone a thorough search, the two culprits were conveyed to the prisons of the Inquisition. Don Ramirez took care that the populace should remain ignorant both of the crimes and profession of the captives. He feared a repetition of the riots which had followed the apprehending the prioress of St. Clair. He contented himself with stating to the Capuchins the guilt of their superior to avoid the shame of a public accusation and dreading a popular fury from which they had already saved their abbey with much difficulty the monks readily permitted the inquisitors to search their mansion without noise no fresh discoveries were made the effects found in the abbot's and matilda's cells were seized and carried to the inquisition to be produced in evidence everything else remained in its former position and order and tranquillity once more prevailed through madrid st clair's convent was completely ruined by the united ravages of the mob and conflagration nothing remained of it but the principal walls whose thickness and solidity had preserved them from the flames the nuns who had belonged to it were obliged in consequence to disperse themselves into other societies but the prejudice against them ran high and the superiors were very unwilling to admit them 
however most of them being related to families the most distinguished for their riches birth and power the several convents were compelled to receive them though they did it with a very ill grace this prejudice was extremely false and unjustifiable after a close investigation it was proved that all in the convent were persuaded of the death of agnes except the four nuns whom saint ursula had pointed out these had fallen victims to the popular fury as had also several who were perfectly innocent and unconscious of the whole affair blinded by resentment the mob had sacrificed every nun who fell into their hands they who escaped were entirely indebted to the duke de medina's prudence and moderation of this they were conscious and felt for that nobleman a proper sense of gratitude virginia was not the most sparing of her thanks she wished equally to make a proper return for his attentions and to obtain the good graces of lorenzo's uncle in this she easily succeeded the duke beheld her beauty with wonder and admiration and while his eyes were enchanted with her form the sweetness of her manners and her tender concern for the suffering nun prepossessed his heart in her favor this virginia had discernment enough to perceive and she redoubled her attention to the invalid when he parted from her at the door of her father's palace the duke entreated permission to inquire occasionally after her health his request was readily granted virginia assured him that the marquise de villafranca would be proud of an opportunity to thank him in person for the protection afforded to her they now separated he enchanted with her beauty and gentleness and she much pleased with him and more with his nephew end of chapter 11 part 1 recording by james k white chula vista